Hello and welcome to The Fandamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. I've spent my life trying to build something here. Growing up, a non-white, non-straight girl in Blue Springs, Nebraska. I wouldn't wish to excite your anticipation. I never asked to be made! exactly the hero I wanted you to be. The theme song you just heard is Good Riddance by R. Soner, which is available for you on the Free Music Archive. My name is Kylie, and here with me are Julia. Hi! Gretchen. Hello! And joining us is our contributor, Griffin. Hey! The four of us write for thefundamentals.com for fundamentally sound fandom analysis, which includes all sorts of geeky news, reviews, going-ons. Hey, it's summertime. What's the thing that we're always talking about nonstop? Um, ice cream? Ice cream. Oh my god! Ice cream. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. We have articles on ice cream. My favorite is mint chocolate chip. Yeah, Ameri- American Dream, and that's actually in my author profile, so I think I have a little bit of priority for ice cream, so... Yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. Well, okay, true, okay, true story, real fast, and this is very related to geeky <laughs> things. I used to manage a farmer's market, and there was, like, an ice cream vendor, and they had mint chocolate chip or whatever, but there was another vendor where he sold salsa, and he called it chocolate mint chip, and that just upset me to my soul. Yeah. Wait, chocolate he sold salsa? Chip. He sold, he made his own salsa, which was actually not very good. It was just like, the spice would blow your face off. But he, when he would see me eating ice cream and he'd say, oh, nice, you got yourself some chocolate mint chip. But it's not mint chip. It's not, it's, right? It's not chocolate ice cream with mint chips in it. Chocolate mint chips. With chocolate chips. Yeah, no, that's a really good idea. Like someone should make chocolate ice cream. Yeah, like the ice cream would be chocolate. It would be brown, but like the chips would be bright, bright green. No, no, no. Don't you mean like, like, Chocolates, just like chocolate, mint. like the chocolate mint uh, quest bar looks like that. It would be like a like chocolate, party, like yeah. no, like chocolate chips, but with mint in it, just like miniature peppermint patties. Hey, is there a mint fandom out there? Because you are getting an earful. <laughs> <laughs> Things are heating up in the mint fandom tonight. Fresh. Hey, what other fandoms are happening? Let's talk about some fandom news as our first segment because we always do that. Um, that's the format of our show. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, we took three weeks off, didn't we? Mm. Uh, Okay, so just a a quick overview of this episode. We're going to talk about some news, which involves a lot of things that we missed, because we were off for three weeks, because I have a new niece, and I visited her, and she's awesome. She made to go see the baby. Yes. And my parents (laughs) were moving, and I decided that I would punish myself by (laughs) flying out and helping them move. Yeah, what the- how many hours did you spend in a car with your mother? That's what I want to know. Fifteen. Oh, God. God. I went to the gym a lot. I would okay. have rather gone right. to the gym a lot than spend 15 hours in a car with my mom. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's over. While Gretchen was driving around and I was flying around and Joy was doing burpees or whatever, <laughs> uh, the Legend of Korra comic dropped. It the did? Turf Wars comic. What? It did. And this is yeah, the first I've heard of this. I didn't yeah, have no awareness of current events. This is brand new information. I did not already <laughs> write about this twice. No, not several what? times. Yeah. Uh, so our podcast is going to talk about that for our first segment. Then we're going to have a fun segment in the middle. And then our second segment is going to be discussing uh, just sort of the <laughs> scripting of gay couples and homophobia in media for no specific reason. Well, those, I mean, those aren't even remotely related topics. I mean, no. 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 
But before we get into that, let's talk what's been going on the past three weeks. Uh, the biggest piece of news that we all, we recorded like the day before this happened. Right. But the, the entire Supergirl cast decided to shit the bed at uh, Comic-Con. That was with the exception of, yeah, with yeah. the exception of Katie McGrath. And, uh, oh, no, and the other, and, and the new lady. Odette. Yeah. It's yeah. I forget her playing, last name, but who's going to be playing Rain? Uh, why, yeah. why don't you tell us what they did, though? Okay, yeah, so I'll give you a mile-high synopsis, and Bo actually wrote about this, too, so I will link his piece, um, but... Well, then Elizabeth and I did a... Um, oh, a podcast, the Ladies a pod- First Podcast. A Ladies First that, Podcast. Yeah, that was, that's a wonderful that lesson. That was, a, like, an hour and a half really breaking it down. The mile-high is that they the cast was singing a silly recap of the season, and Jeremy Jordan decided to very vehemently say that uh lena and Kara are just friends they're just friends they're just friends and he said it like a billion times and everyone was laughing and then he While kept staring directly he- into the camera like clearly addressing the audience yes. then like a couple minutes passed and he went on to say how he debunked it super core as a ship and uh you know was melissa noise was like Yes, that was, that's what she said. She said it was very brave. Then Katie McGrath tried to like save this and be like, oh, you know, you can take out of media what you want. And that's what's cool about it. But then Chris Wood opened his stupid fucking mouth to (laughs) defend the fictional heterosexuality of Cara Danvers. And was like, yeah, because of course, obviously what your sexuality is, it's about other people's perceptions of you. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't Jeremy Jeremy Jordan? He was like, it's like, guys, guys, I've been to musical theater school. Okay. Yes. I know what this is about. I've been to musical theater camp several times, and also I did a lot of that in college, and I'm going to tell you, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Well, Griffin, what if you were mistaken for a gay? That's that so, would be t- so humiliating. So, it would be right? so, just so, uh, de- it would just be, it would just be, you know, that didn't even happen. That doesn't fucking I mean, happen. like, being mistaken for a <laughs> sexual orientation for not, not totally, like, know. invalidates your sexual identity. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. I mean, it didn't happen. <laughs> I, didn't, I never saw it, so. Uh, honestly, um, you know, Gretchen and Elizabeth, thank you for reminding me of that podcast. That mm-hmm. gets into it much better than we ever could. So I'm just going to p- point you guys over there. It was a really constructive conversation, too, because it was like, what do we learn from this as fans and like right. showrunners and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And truly, I feel the worst for uh, Chyler. Uh, what's her last name? Kyler Lee. Kyler Lee. That's how yeah. you pronounce mm-hmm. her name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that I never knew. <laughs> yeah, her name. Kyler Lee. I mean, that's how, so I may be wrong. If I'm wrong, someone please correct me. That's I thought, what it, I've been I thought it was it Shyler Lay. I, I don't know. Someone actually just tell us in the comments how to pronounce it. <laughs> she she's, you pronounce she's her, her name. Well, but yeah, we, she, we know for sure that she has a name. We don't know what it yes. is. Yes. <laughs> and it is something like yeah. that. <laughs> but, uh, she plays, a- she plays Alex on the show and she's done a really, really great job of trying to validate oh, LGBT yeah. fans and, like, really mm-hmm. do some reach out and, and really engage with the queer audience. And, uh, yeah, just to see everyone take a giant dump on it. That's sad. Um, yeah, was there anything else from Comic Con that is, like, worth talking about that we missed? Yeah, there was the universe. universe preview that was kind of cool. Yeah. That was really cool. I'm pretty yeah. excited for Space Captain Lars. I, oh, yeah, that was awesome looking. I love Lars. And a new gem. I, yeah, a new gem, Emerald. Yeah. I'm excited to see everyone finally realizing how awesome Lars is, because I've been yelling it for a while, and people are like, no, I hate Lars. And now everyone's like, Lars, he's amazing. Lars has I'm commitment like, issues. It's like, I liked Lars before he was cool, but I'm glad you guys oh like him God, now, too. Oh, my God, don't pull that. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lars. Oh, God. The hipster. <laughs> the hipster. Part. Yeah. I liked Lars before he was pink. Yeah, well, that's actually funny is that Lars and Sadie are two of the first characters Rebecca Sugar ever created. They yeah. predate 
Steven Universe. So it's clear that she's yep. put a lot of thought and love into them. And I'm glad that's finally paying off. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's move outside of San Diego Comic-Con. I'm sure you've read all the hot takes on it by now at this point. Anyway, uh, we found out in a new article that this is just so fucking weird. I have to call it out. Um, Game of Thrones characters are running around wearing Ikea rugs on set. That's that's how they do the like fluffy um, wait, padding wait. in the doors. I, I, thought that was a, I thought that was a BuzzFeed article. That's... Wait, that's real? That's real. That's real. I the thing that I from that is that I must be really, really dumb because somebody got paid to vomit out 400 words on that. <laughs> and I write like 4,000 words like about Orientalism and he gets three comments. I must be really remember, dumb. Julia, remember when you and I wrote that piece why Game of Thrones is a bad show 101? It was like 8,500 words and then someone, and we were trying to source everything we were saying and then someone was like, oh, this is clickbait. <laughs> like, it's 8,500 words. It was a very informative <laughs> oh my article. Gosh. It was. We were restraining ourselves to say that. No, I could tell that. Right. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, so I didn't realize they were actually wearing rugs. Like yeah, I saw I, this. I didn't I, know. What? Okay, so they look like rugs say, from the screenshots I've like, seen. Non-news, you know, like the the chainmail on in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail was knit. Well, that's because it's Monty Python. Right. They used. They did the, their low-budget joke about the coconuts. That was the point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I saw this on our outline and was like, oh, that must be, like, jargon for something <laughs> else. There's no way this is literally no. actually the truth. No, I just think it's funny because we like to take pisses on the costumes. Um, oh. I just thought it was Wait, really funny. So they can save money on the costume designs, but they're... Well, they spend it all on the embroidery that we never see. Okay. So all they can afford is Ikea rugs. You know what? Julia is right. This is not news. Let's they should have product They should have product placement deals with Ikea. Oh my god. <laughs> well, you know, the, then the Iron Throne could be an official Ikea furniture piece that you put together. It should be called, like, the Bjorgen or something like that, and it's the Game of Thrones throne, and you can have it in your living room. <laughs> if you can build it out of all of those swords. Oh my god. All you have to do is conquer six kingdoms, and... Yeah, checklist. Conquer six kingdoms. Yeah. Melt down a lot of swords. Mm-hmm. Don't get pricked oh by it. And then hey. try to move it. Let's talk about a better fandom. Uh, well, a better <laughs> piece of media. I don't know what the fandom <laughs> been better. But uh, Star Wars. Oh. There's two pieces of news. The first is that we finally see what porgs look like. I think they look like the poop emoji. <laughs> they kind of do. Yeah. They look is? like that weird bird. That you- I thought that okay. was a gerbil. They look kind of like yeah. that poodoo bird. You, like, not no, the, no, they look like, um, my son has these little, like, um, these little stuffies on keychains on his backpack, and they look like, like, penguin. penguin. Are those supposed to be the new ones? Mm. Yeah. yeah, kind of. Right. I kind of think it looks horrible, but that's just me. They probably, they probably look better in motion, honestly. I, let's, here's hoping. I mean, it's not like Wookiees look amazing, but, you but know. we've right. seen them so long, it doesn't even matter. Mm. The second piece of news is one that Gretchen loves. That's lies. <laughs> I'm really cranky about this right well, now. If well, people, I, I haven't seen this. Okay, so news dropped yesterday. We were given a sneak peek into what Star Wars: The Last Jedi, which is Episode Eight, that's the one coming out this year, is going to be about. And apparently, like Luke Skywalker believed that um, Kylo Ren was the chosen one because again, reasons. We're doing this again. Right? Like... Well, their one job I, is to stay away from the prequels. Okay. Right? But, like, <laughs> e- like why? 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 Like, it was why not, was it's not a hard thing one? to do. 
The chosen one was Anakin Skywalker, and he brought balance to the Force by destroying Palpatine. Like, that's it's fine. Really dumb, Why? Okay. <laughs> like, it's like it's not the greatest, but like at least, like at least, it kind of makes sense. Why do we have a new chosen one? But so whatever. Like, fuck you. I think that's stupid. Maybe because it happens um, in cycles, like it always does. Like the rule of two. I, guess. I mean, if you're gonna go back to old Republic shit. Like, might as well. Right? So, yeah. like, he thought that Kylo Ren was the chosen one, and the reason he's hiding out on this island in the middle of nowhere planet was because when Kylo Ren betrayed him, he became super disillusioned, and now he's, like, full grimdark nihilist, like, must end the Jedi because my nephew is a piece of shit instead of the chosen one. And, like, Ryan Johnson, um, who's one of the writers, like, said something about how, like, Star Wars you know, might begin with in a galaxy far, far away, but it never promises a happily ever after. And it, yeah, it sucks to see your heroes die, but that's what this universe is like. And literally, I just want to scream in his face. Hmm. Like, Wait, that's I don't not know what that, that, that necessarily, yeah, I, I don't know it necessarily means it's going to be as negative an ending as you're interpreting that, Gretchen, but it certainly opened that door. Uh, it <laughs> kind of seems like he's just more riffing off of Empire, to be totally honest. He knows he's in the middle. He knows that's the expectation that he's probably going to have to live up to, because everybody knows that's the best one. So At the same time, do you really see Luke surviving this film? I, I see him... Yeah. I mean, he has to be into the third one, and then he dies. And I have no, I have no problem in principle with Luke dying. Like, like I had no problem in principle. Like, you know, Han's death, they pulled that off. So Well, because he wanted out. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Like, they still pulled it off. Yeah, yeah, they did. So... I mean, it's like Spock yeah. dying. Everybody was against that, but they fucking pulled it off. Then he brought him back. Well, yeah, but that's incidental. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is actually. Yeah. I just don't see how, like, saying watching your heroes fall and this world doesn't promise happily ever after is literally has anything to do with Star Wars. It doesn't. It kind of doesn't. No, because it doesn't. Like it doesn't, that's the part that upsets not necessarily. Me. No, I agree with it's that like, because Star Wars not- is like. Star Wars, like literally the the original trilogy, the the trilogy that started this whole franchise, ends with a fucking happily ever after. Yeah, it ends with a dance party. Like this is like the definition of like campy, optimistic, like sci-fi romp. Yeah, it's a lighthearted family adventure. Yeah, (laughs) like that's what these movies are. And so trying to say like, well, no guarantees of a happily ever after, and like, yeah, it sucks to see your heroes fall. Is like, but what are you making? How is this a Star Wars movie? (laughs) You know what? Like, How about this? Let's just be a little more optimistic on this one. Okay, maybe Luke falls, right? And maybe it's more like, everything's fucked up, I fucked up, I fucked everything up, everything's terrible, oh god. Beautiful and, Princess Luke? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sure, <laughs> yeah, basically. Tell. And then Ray's like, no you didn't, and then everything's fine. <laughs> because because she's the new chosen one, and then no, she's, she's a midi-chlorian cho- baby. No! She's destined to bring balance to the... Well, okay, she's so obviously this, related to somebody just, from the original Kenobi, trilogy, because Kenobi, that's Ray necessary. Ray Kenobi, Ray Kenobi, Ray Kenobi. Yeah. What was it saying? No, I'm just saying that, like, yeah, the whole Ray Kenobi thing, like... I like that a lot. Ugh. Uh, of the parentage series, that is the one that I am partial to, because I think it has thematic resonance. Yeah. I, I, I think that no parental theory would have more, but okay. No, I totally like that one too. Those are my top two of like, <laughs> like I either want her to be like a nobody or a Either it doesn't matter like or like, yeah, or it's, or it's, or it's Ben, yeah. Yeah, it's like Pisswater Prince kind of stuff. I was just, oh my god, Julia, I was just about to say the real question is if she's a Blackfire. Yeah. Okay, uh, <sighs> Disney is starting its own streaming service and ending the deal with Netflix. That's a great idea. Good luck. Everyone's Can doing the, that. that. Yeah, I know, it annoys me that everyone's doing that. I want, 
I want Netflix to be a giant monopoly because it's more convenient for me. Nah, it's cheaper. It is cheaper for you know pretty much everybody, and Hulu is also a pretty competitive service. It has all of Seinfeld for one. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean that. I mean you can't beat that. I mean even in Canada we have a streaming service called Crave that has a lot of stuff. Like, you actually have that here that. too, but nobody uses it. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we do. I just don't know that just Disney can compete. I don't think so. At yeah. the same level. I mean, like, you don't want to watch that many Disney movies. You know? No. Like, it's, it's, we'll just pirate it, honestly. Yeah, like, basically. I mean, maybe their market is, like, parents with small kids. Because you have all the, like, Disney shows. Yeah, like, but Disney, Disney is Disney also shows. Marvel and Star Wars. Let's not forget mm-hmm. that. Oh, that's true. I'd forgotten it was Marvel. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Does that mean the good Netflix shows are getting pulled? <laughs> what? All three of them? Yeah, Jessica three. Jones, Luke Cage, and... What's the third oh. one? There, it's Daredevil's pretty good. Yeah, oh, okay. Oh. Uh, okay. I've never cared about that. Yeah. But uh, d- if they get pulled off Netflix, that's going to make me really sad. Yeah. And the yep. Defenders will probably might be fine. The Punisher's getting a show. All right, we are a bit over time, so just one more piece that uh, somehow this slipped through our radar. You know how Confederate was announced as an alt history? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't notice that. Will Will Packer and Aaron McGruder also announced their own alt history drama called Black America, and it envisions a post-reparations America where newly freed African Americans have secured the southern states of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama in post-reconstruction as reparations for slavery, and with that land, the freedom to shape their own destiny. So yeah, they cool. like... I know. It sounds so good. Like, it's they like, created their own, like, like Wakanda, nation. but it's, like, in the middle of the U.S. Right. Yep. And they said, like, in the initial... um like, interview or whatever that came out, they actually said that the reason why they announced this now was specifically to counter, was like, oh, hey, we know that Confederate is being made, and we just want people to know that, like, we have a project in the works that is doing something very different with slavery in America. Yeah, and imagine that. Something that's not shit. An yeah. alternate timeline worth exploring. What? Right. One that's, no- one that's not, hey, oppression is in charge now. <laughs> Yeah, and isn't it needless, constant, amazing satire of it, like Wolfenstein? Yeah. Like it's, not everything's... That's the one you were trying to remember, Kylie, in the last one. I mean, it is It is a very compelling yes, thank you. counterfactual, like, what if they hadn't chickened out on Reconstruction, so... Yeah, that actually would... It's a very interesting idea to explore, and... Mm-hmm. I think you're. I think the question you mean to ask, Joy, is what if Lincoln hadn't been shot? That's what kind of ended that. Yeah, well, yeah. Or I guess, what if John Wilkes Booth I mean, had been, just when like... Lincoln, like, Lincoln being shot didn't doom Reconstruction. Or what... Kind of did. Kind of, yeah, but... Yeah. It was, you're, it was you're a, a Canadian... Failure. You're a Canadian... Ki- How do you Julie, know this? You don't understand. <laughs> huh? It's not your history. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just mocking you for being Canadian and saying you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, if you say so. No, Joey's historical <laughs> knowledge is frightening. <laughs> no, I have no doubt in that. I'm just like, What? <laughs> Well, I'm sure the history fandom is really thrilled. Let (laughs) us get on to our first segment. Hey, listen, I went to musical theater school. I know all about uh, other people's perceptions of sexuality. Okay, so um, Gretchen and I are going to sit here. (laughs) (laughs) What? Gretchen read it? Gretchen has opinions. Yeah, she actually prepared. (laughs) Okay, so you guys do that, and I will continue with my embroidery. (laughs) INFJ time, okay. Yeah, INFJ time. It's good. Three Asami Sada's talking about this. Yay. <laughs> I feel repressed right now. Militaris- wait, militaristically repressed? Exactly. Oh my god. Ooh. Don't you start. Hey, just be- just before we start talking about the comics, uh, officially, we should say uh, Gretchen, Griffin, and I, the three INFJs, are going to be at Klexicon talking about Oh Coruscant. shit, we are. We- yes. 
Right. We've got a panel on it. We have and a it's panel. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're going to Klexicon, we're going to be doing this there. again. We don't know which day yet, but once we do, we'll tell you. Oh, I have to do the auth profile. But yeah, okay, good stuff. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be anyway, crazy. Anyway, uh, moving on. Speaking of Korasami, Turf Wars came out. Yeah. What? And, uh, it, uh, Turf Wars came out? It, it, Turf Wars came out, <laughs> and it happened. And then it didn't. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's the continuation of Korasami's. What's Korasami's? a Turf Wars? I don't know what that is. Thank you, Chris. Well, no one... Uh, frankly, uh-huh. I don't know what the Turf Wars are after reading Turf uh, Wars. There's, there's, I don't know where they're happening. That. I don't know why they're happening. What is this turf? <laughs> well, I, I think it has something to do with the mob, but I don't yeah. know. I it, don't was, know. it was very yeah. dark. I, I couldn't tell. It was very unclear. It's very clear. <laughs> yeah, so we have Legend of Core Comics, which pick up literally like about 0.4 seconds after the last shot of the series. Yep. Because it the, the first panel of the comic is them coming out of the spirit portal, and the last shot of the series was them going into the spirit portal. So, mm-hmm. like, that was an interesting choice. Yeah, it was. You know, let's just give a little bit of context. Yeah. These comics were first announced two years ago, and when they were first announced, it showed Koronasami coming out of the portal already, looking very sexually satisfied. <laughs> and um, Brian was like, yeah, this is going to be a Your comic buddy, that my buddy Brian Konietzko from Down the Block uh, <laughs> was like, hey, this is going to be a comic that explores uh, Koronasami's relationship and also the like rebuilding of Republic City. Because if anyone remembers, at the end of the Legend of Korra finale. Yeah, it was like an A-bomb. Well, and, oh, no, not like an A-bomb. No, it was like there was a, there was a few I city blocks. I thought you said like there. a gay bomb. <laughs> that, yeah, I no, heard no, that. No. It was purple. It was, it was purple. <laughs> so it would be more like a bi-bomb, I guess. But like... There was some, uh, How no, there was like a few, maybe like a few square city blocks that actually got pretty messed up and like the top of some buildings. But at the end of the day, it was not like the whole city got exploded. Yeah, but the, the imagery was meant to evoke the atomic weapon. Well, then they probably should have vaporized everyone else if they wanted to do that. But they did. Yeah, like Asami hiding in an alley. Yeah, or the Dutens anyway. and moving on. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. The point is Republic City is really like rubble in a lot of important areas and it needs to be rebuilt. So this comic was going to, or does explore this. And this was announced two years ago. Uh, we had the date kind of pushed back and back and back. We had an artist change in the middle. Uh, so it is now drawn by Irene Coe. And uh, yeah, that's th- just, it's, it's an odd release schedule. It's, it's been very, very uh, anticipated, I would say. And um you know, there's really no hiding from the fact that Griffin and I were not as enthused by it as we wanted to be. No, and we really, really wanted to be. Yeah, we wrote a <laughs> review on the site uh, that tried to explain where we were coming from, and uh, that was did, met with some negative... very well. No. Then we did a follow-up deeper dive of like 10,000 words explaining exactly why we thought that. Um, but Gretchen, you are a bit more distant from the fandom and the yep. dialogue so let's hear your thoughts on it um anything particular you want me to start on just like just like if you had to give a, a quick review in okay a few words, um you know? i would say that overall like i i am happy that it exists i think that a lot of i think it's very valuable for a lot of people and has found a lot of meaning in it um I am, I wrote a piece, <laughs> um, which we will be discussing more in our second segment about homophobia and world building. Um, as kind of my reaction, this was, it was 
wasn't clear in the article, but it was really just my reaction to turf wars is that I don't find homophobia as a world building device in speculative fiction to be all that valuable um, or all that helpful most of the time. I think it can be, but I think, you know, eight times out of 10, it's not going to actually add to the conversation at all. Mm. Um, and instead just tends to perpetuate systems of oppression that already exist in our world. And to me, one of the places of speculative fiction, so like science fiction, fantasy genres like that, like one of the, one of the benefits to speculative fiction is that it can envision a world where the systems of oppression that we have are not reflected in it. And so that we as marginalized communities can kind of exist outside of our oppression. Mm. Um, and it can be used as a normalizing force for a lot of marginalized communities to try and, you know, say, hey, this is normal. Oppression doesn't have to exist. Like it does exist now, but it doesn't have to because it's not necessary. Yeah. Um, and so that was my reaction to Turf Wars when I put it down was just like, why was this necessary to tell this story? Yeah. I guess our reaction was like, more like that, but also it isn't. Not why, but it isn't and doesn't and can't. Right. Yeah, no, totally. (laughs) I definitely understood why you guys went that direction. Um, (laughs) We're just anal about world building. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Yeah, because I mean, I haven't spent, I don't write thick in this universe i only yeah, recently that, that, i only got about, into it in the last i only got into it in the last year so i you know i'm not as heavily invested in the world building but, but i Gretchen, don't even don't i don't think it fits fakes, then how can you critique other people's writing it's not about that <laughs> it's not it's nothing to do with that no i mean i think there actually is a point if you think deeply about the world and you're trying to craft your own narrative within it you do think about world building details that other people well, don't yeah, like sure. I, right. i'm not well, that's uh, yeah that's that's definitely something that it comes with it it's not it's not why we're feeling this way is what i'm trying to say right oh totally. No, i know when the comics were first announced i was posting god i hope they're not battling straw man homophobes that would be sucky and pandering <laughs> Right. Okay, they can, I've got a lot of receipts from the weeks in July in 2015, if they really are interested. It's not a controversial opinion. That being said, like, everything you're saying, Gretchen, that's certainly the side I'm more on. But there is a balance to that, too, because at the same time, you know, these systems of oppression do exist. So do how much do we have to equip our kids, especially? Because this is, you know, a comic aimed at 12-year-old readers, uh, how much, you know, how much do we have to equip them? What tools are the most valuable for them to have? And, you know, is, is there a case to be made for handling these topics in such an overt fashion where you do see the value there? I don't know, like, I think there's a danger in also, like, you know, doing world building where you pretend these systems of oppression don't exist because mm-hmm. it's being written in a context where they do, like, I'm thinking of the 100, where they try, right, like, they, right. they're supposed to have, like, a post-racial society, which, as a piece of real <laughs> building, like, it makes sense, you know, in that context and everything, but, like, they kind of do it by ignoring race in their casting and things like that, and that just kind of doesn't work, and they end up with all sorts of unfortunate implications, right? Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Colonialism. So, yeah, well, the, so, yeah, the, there is, there is, like, a danger, I think, in taking it too far. Right. Right. I mean, because, yeah, because no piece of fiction is created in a vacuum. Um, I think, to me, the difference between, I think, homophobia, potentially, and maybe, like, even sexism and racism, Mm -hmm. is that um, very little media is created about queer people that isn't about homophobia. Yes. Yes. Whereas, 
not every show that has women in it is about sexism. Not every show with like, or a piece of media with um, people of color is about racism. Now to play devil's advocate for children's media, how much even exists about queer individuals? More and more. Yeah, more and more. Universe is probably a good example of that. Mm -hmm. But do you see that it's about homophobia in the same way? No, because I think well, what Steven Universe homophobia by analogy, right? And that's what that's what I was going to say was like allegory. Steven Universe found a way to address oppression through allegory and metaphor in a way that like is still understandable for kids. See, yeah, and see that's that's what I find more compelling too. Yeah. Yes, is like, and it kind of like I don't like it, it makes arguments against homophobia and like other forms of oppression kind of on a conceptual way, like you know like. It's just wrong in principle kind of thing. Yeah, Julia, like, you're, a, you're a primary school teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, is that's that's the method that you would advocate more than necessarily the overt crafting and, like, having the story be about homophobia? Well, I think it's more, like, it's easier for kids to relate to that because, like, especially when you have to hang ring a little bit about, like, you know, their cultural backgrounds or what their families are thinking. But, like, you know, most people can agree, at least conceptually, that oppression is wrong, right? So, and you kind of have to get there sometimes by making generalizations that you have to sort of apply yourself in your own life, if that makes any sense. Right. You know, Joy, what was really sticking in my craw when I was uh, reading Turf Wars was something you wrote at the end of Representation Won't Scare Off Kids, the mm-hmm. piece that you wrote about your son Gregory reacting to the Legend of Korra finale. Or and not you reacting, had the line, <laughs> not reacting, yeah. it was just like, of course this is the ending. And you said, you said, kids only think something is a big deal if we tell them it is. Yeah. Right. And that to me is where, like, I find a little bit of trouble saying, yeah, I do see the value in this comic, but mm-hmm. I also see the value in the alternative, and I don't see that value being lesser, and I see that value oh. being more widely applicable. I would yeah. completely That's... agree with that, especially since they made, they went completely out of their way to say that it was a big deal, and that there were all these problems, and that there was apparently a Fire Nation Gestapo, which is super weird. Like, oh, super God. Weird. Like, I mean, that's right. just, like, very specific. Yeah, well, I will, I will say this. I, my friend Keys works with, uh, like, LGBT youth, and he was talking about how much value this, like, this comic really is everything to them. Because they are seeing that representation, and you do have to give the tools. And, like, for just a weird example, Sozin, you know, rounding up all the gays as a scapegoat group mm. is was, for the first time, like, a really valuable analogy to Trump going after trans individuals serving in the military. Well, they could have written that, that, but yeah. Well, no, 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 they didn't write it with that in mind. I'm saying that there there is an educational value to this, and there is certainly a validation to, wow, we're really scared about what's going on outside, and, like, here's, you know, something that's showing, oh, you know, Kor and Asami, they're dealing with similar things. I, I think that, like, there's a certain segment of, like... There's a certain there's a certain like level of I don't want to imply that it's higher than everything, but there's a certain level of discourse or like a segment of discourse that's kind of beyond this, and we don't realize that not everyone is beyond this. Like we're at the point where like we want, yeah, we want like just for people to act like this is normal because that's right. how we feel. But there's an entire mass of people that don't see it as normal yet who are still yeah who are still scared in the way that like you know I can't imagine ever being yeah. 
I think that's a really good point yep. because I'm like so done with these tropes mm-hmm. and with yep. what Gretchen was describing for the role building. <laughs> I'm so done with it. Yeah. Especially especially being queer myself. Like I just this is so not what I want to see and engage it's like with. The opposite it's of what a, I want to see. Right. Um and and then even like learning how homophobia exists in the Avatar world, we're like, now I have to go back and retcon <laughs> in this horribly virulent prejudice and be like, oh my god. By like, the way, Kyoshi was like super sad and like had a shit life and everyone hated her. Whoops. She never found acceptance. Ha ha. Uh, and like, I, I just, the idea that I have to now go back and like paint this into it, it's like, oh my god. No. But I think you are right, Joey. Like, you know, this is people's this is what people are living. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I, I've been incredibly lucky in how accepting my family's been. That doesn't mean everyone else's um, by any means. And there's probably a huge value to people seeing the description of the Water Tribe of, like, just keep it to yourself and don't talk about it. Yeah. Because sh- there's cultures like that yeah. today. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Some of my really good friends, when they first read uh, Turf Wars, that was their reaction. was like, I read the Water Tribe and I was like, that's my family. Like, that's what, yeah. that's what I live with. And it was so amazing to see one of my favorite characters has to live with what I live with every day. Yeah. And like, and, and that's the thing. Everyone's reaction to that is going to be different. Cause like, I don't have an accepting family. Like, my family is not going to be, they're not even going to be water tribe levels mm-hmm. of like, yeah. it's fine. Just don't talk about it. And yet I still they're would not much rather. Be levels though, right? No, like, no, like, I know you, yeah. there's always, there is like, you know, there's kind of like, yeah, the, the whole, like, the water trap thing, you just, you just don't talk about it and hope that nobody brings it up and hope that they don't ask any specific questions so you have to lie to them. Yeah. Yeah, just like, right. which is yeah. the, the um, betrothal necklace, mm. which is interesting. Yeah. But. Right. And I think what I'm trying to get at is, like, even people who have, like, similar experiences and dissimilar backgrounds with families, like, still aren't going to respond to the same piece of media the same way. Mm-hmm. Because other people who have... <clears throat> families who might not be as accepting read this and are like, oh, wow, I feel really validated in my experience. I read this and be like, well, like, I don't want to read m- even more about an unaccepting mm-hmm. family. Like, I read this and I'm like, I want to read a story about someone whose family is like, wow, I love you. Thank you for telling me this piece about yourself that I didn't know. You're in a because new relationship. I- oh, fantastic. Mazel tov. You're just whatever. Right? Like, because <laughs> that's what I want. So I think it's a different, like, it's that both of those are are good are yeah. valid urges, like the urge to like see yourself mirrored and the urge and the wish fulfillment mm-hmm. for like, I, I want to see what I wish would be true of my life rather than what actually is right. true of my life. Or are just both society valid. as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like those are both valid urges to want from our media. And to like, me, like I, the, the conversation is like, we both need to accept that like the other side isn't wrong. They just want something else out of their media. Yeah, than no, no, no. Nobody's wrong. Here. Nobody's yeah, no one's wrong. We just anyone is feeling. Everyone's it's all good. It's just right. These yeah. are our we just want and right. Are, we just want different, different things. Like I'm just really, really tired of being told I'm different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not right. There's yeah. nothing remarkable or special. About, neither neither right. of those things. There's absolutely nothing special about being bisexual in my mind, but for some people, like that's Fancy not you know, the learned experience. And uh, one of one of the sections. So basically, Kaya comes in and just info dumps on how homophobia works <laughs> in this world. It was so like I'm sorry. It was this like was last not, week's episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> it was just not good writing. Like 
like you can you can find what she's saying to work for you, but like it was. Can we at least admit that it was incredibly contrived? What do you mean, like, at least? I don't think there's going to be a lot of people that necessarily disagree with the fact that, like, okay, oh, I'm just going to pop in here and and tell you all this information that you, as people who live in this world, should probably already know. It's really weird that you guys don't. Also, is right, Sami? Don't you? I have the, the school system in the Indian Republic is really bad when it comes to. But Sami was super rich, so it's like how. <laughs> And Cor was raised by the Lotus. <laughs> she should know if someone had been like having concentration camps for gay people. She would like know this, and she'd be like, "Well, that well that that guy was the worst." Oh wait. But yeah, yeah, like so, Kaya comes in and does this info dump, and one of the things Kaya says is, you know, I my friends and family know, but I don't exactly go around broadcasting it to everyone. And I think that line resonated with a ton of people mm-hmm. because honestly, that's how queer individuals live today. Yeah. Like that's how that's I am. How I that's am. I'm. Yeah, I don't want to speak for Gretchen, but I'm assuming it's something similar. Um, yes. And, yeah. And I think that, you know, on that same vein, too, people see things like, oh, you know, okay, so there was, like, you know, a police chief that was a woman and, a, and you know, a metal-bending matriarch with her own city and an Earth Queen. But, like, at the same time, Angela Merkel was anti-gay marriage until two weeks ago. So <laughs> this makes a lot no, of sense. She's great. <laughs> yeah, well... It was like a month ago. I was going to say, oh god, (laughs) my perception of time is even worse now. And she's she's still against it, too. She's just, like, not politically against it. She's like, it's not really my decision Well, that's an important distinction. Yeah, it is. Yes, well, someone has a re-election coming up. (laughs) It's also Germany, so. Well, like, also, you know, know, civil rights are kind of not about your opinion. Mm -hmm. Still so so weird that it's coming from Germany. my My point is, is that when you're really, like, set here in a contemporary setting thinking about media, this makes a ton of sense. And this can totally validate a lot of people because it's like, yeah, you know, here's my experience. Why why would this make sense? And it's like, I I don't want to say you just have to think about it a different way because you don't. There's absolutely no reason that anyone should have to. But maybe consider thinking about it a slightly different perspective. Just just for a minute. Well, there's that. I mean, you could consider that. But the other thing I was going to say more is that, you know, Mike was writing with this perspective, too, where I it felt like he wasn't really thinking very outside of our current context. Hey, we want to write a special episode that makes homophobia bad. Mm. Um, so bad. how do I go about doing oh that? Oh, my God. Thank well, God you told me. <laughs> <laughs> Prejudice is bad, guys. Right. Yeah. So the Air Nation's all the good guys. Mm-hmm. So we'll make them really accepting. Which makes... Does- okay. We'll have the water tribe. You don't have to tell that. That's a good thing. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Gen- Gen- gender segregation is totally chill, you guys. Yeah, the Earth Kingdom, uh huh. The Daily were dicks, so they probably weren't all that cool with it. Yeah. And then. No. They're the villains. Didn't, didn't the, the bi woman make the Daily, though? Yes. Hmm? Yes, the, the yep. bisexual, Ky- 230 year old, 7 foot tall, giant footed, murdering Kyoshi avatar. Yes, she did make the Daily. So, to safeguard yeah. the country's culture and stability, which is weird that they were so homophobic. Right. right. Well, all those gay soldiers cost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's also, like, you know, some Doyleist issues, too. Like, okay, she made the Dai Li, but then why are all the Dai Li men? Well, all the Dai Li men were probably because, you know, this show was being created in the mid-2000s. you know, 2000s, uh, in- What about the Judies? Well, one yeah. of those is brainwashed. They were all brainwashed. We went past the facility of Judy's. Oh, yeah. They've got boxes full of Judy's. <laughs> and that honestly is like <laughs> that honestly is one of the struggles of like trying to build 
too strong of a Watsonian foundation on a show that has some dated mentalities about like right it's We're a show, about, yeah it's two it's two different shows over a decade like it's things are mm-hmm. going to change right from the time period in which the show was made like it was and yeah, those are kind of like the formative years of the cultural acceptance of homosexuality as well yeah well and it i was thinking more in terms of like it was just normal to have males in the military mm-hmm. like to depict like militaries as being primarily made up of men it's only pretty in, it's like mid 2000 that uh, actual frontline infantry has been able to women have been able actually been able to include that it's always been mm-hmm. like uh pilots right. which is yeah. actually yeah, they can be support. because they're far more effective than soldiers in the field but i don't know what the logic of that is but still yeah the logic is some kind of weird and vague protective the logic is patriarchy yeah. <laughs> that's why i said i, I didn't know that there was any that's the all right whatever. okay all right. Women are too weak to serve uh, in the front lines. Was I mean, it was it was patriarchy. So like, it's not. And yeah, that's just like a struggle of when like a, me- a piece of media is created in an environment in which certain, I guess, more subtle patriarchal ideas are just normal. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. building, like reading too much of that into the world building of the universe is. I think it just gets sticky. It gets complicated. I mean, the thing, yeah. the thing about like, um, I, I suspect that we're gonna get into this a lot in our new classics uh, SF book club. But the thing about a lot of dated SF is that, like, progressivism 40 years ago is, like, 30 years behind where we are now, right? So, (laughs) like, Gene Roddenberry was trying to create, trying to world build, like, you know, a (laughs) post-sexist kind of, you know, society. But, like, all of this stuff is really sexist, you know? Right. Like, and so, like, as I see things age, especially, like, you know, something that, that, that has changed, like, really so rapidly. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing to think about that, like, you know, like, you, you know, Korosami was, like, what, five years ago? Not even? Three. What, it was three. three. It was not, three not years three. ago. And just, just think about how far we've come in that field now. Like, of, of like, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah. We like, have freaking have Steven Universe and Rebecca Sugar making, like, all the characters queer. Yeah. It was, like, literally a month later that, um, <laughs> with the Garnet reveal. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a show, oh, what is it called? Oh, dang it, I can't remember. Something in Egg. No, Something in Egg. It's another cartoon show. Um. Duncan Egg? No. Not Duncan Egg. Um. It's a really adorable, like, egg. cartoon Duncan show. Egg and, like, is, one of the- it's mostly about Dunk's gay panic, so. No, one of the, it's a, it's a, like, it's an ongoing cartoon show that, um, yeah, Jessica Nicole is one of the, was a voice actor on it. No, I was talking um, about Doug. I didn't know that's what it was. Doug. Yeah, the, the Mystery Doug. Night is all about his gay panic. <laughs> no, it's called Danger, it's called Danger, it's called Danger and Egg. Um, Danger and Eggs. And it's a show where, like, one okay. of the main character, like, one of the characters is trans, and, like, uh, I don't know if it's Cartoon Network. Um, but, like, I mean, and that's a show that really can only exist because Steven Universe exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we can see, like, the progression of, like, they actually, on a kid's cartoon show, they had a pride parade. And they called it a pride parade. Well, yeah. shit. Yeah. And, like, let's also give Korosami some credit, too, and Legend of Korra, because, like, Steven Universe is fantastic, but that's Cartoon Network. It was kind of very meticulously crafted to get by censors. Korra and Asami, we're talking the protagonist. We're also talking Viacom. Mm-hmm. So it's like a completely different... Like, I mean, it, 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 it was, you know, like, it doesn't mean, like, 
it doesn't mean that, like, you know, Star Trek shouldn't have credit for putting women, like, you know, in a normal no, 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 crew. No, right. Like, that's not, right. that's not what we're trying to say, I don't think. What I'm, what I'm saying is that both these shows happening around yeah. the same time, it's more reflective of our changing cultural mores than anything else. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. And that's a really good thing. I would say that Korasami very much paved the way yes. for a show like Steven Universe to actually exist at all. Yeah, and, and what I think, too, is that, you know what this is? I think my reaction to these comics was more, this feels like a step backwards from that. Yeah. Mm. And I, th- I think that might be what it came down to. Because guess what we were never told during uh, their blossoming relationship? In... We were never told that. We were never pointed out that they were both women. Asami didn't seem to show any hesitation flirting with her whatsoever. Nope. Like, there was just, it wasn't there. It wasn't an element of it. It wasn't an element of it specifically because Brike didn't even know they could, like, get away with yeah. this. Yeah. And but that that's made, what that's made what it made feel it, so refreshing. Yeah, exactly. That's what made it feel so organic. Because it was. They were forced to make it organic. Yeah. They had to. And so, yeah. And so in a situation where you have this, like, or- organic, blossoming relationship that's never made a big deal mm-hmm. out of. Mm-hmm. It came out of friendship. It's like, how often does that, you actually see that in media? Like. It's awesome. Right. And then to to go from that to say like the rest of their universe, the rest of their relationship, or at least the next big part of their official relationship is going to be about homophobia does feel like a step backwards and that like, wait, but like, yeah, like, what? like you, you would like, yeah, I thought we were beyond that. <laughs> right. Like their, pl- yeah. their plot line is seriously, do we tell people or not? That's their plot yeah. line right now. And there's some turf war shit going on. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we don't know where it's happening or necessarily why. The, or the main plot line, fighting. Griffin, you and I need to like get past this element and actually dive into the main plot line at some point and analyze it because like, what the hell is going on? I don't know. Weren't we going to do that piece about Varric? Because that's the only, that's the only lens I can see this working. No, Holy- I mean, like, it's fine. It's, it's, <laughs> It's very uh, basic break politics. It's absolutely yeah. fine. It's nothing worse than, like, book one or book two, and we love book one and book two. Well, <laughs> I, I love book two. <clears throat> yeah, book one is. But, but book one is a lot of great pieces that don't fit together. Mm. Yeah. Whoa, we are getting so long. Oh, big, my God. Big surprise. Right. Right. Big surprise. Should we cancel the fun segment and just go right into segment two? I don't want to cancel the fun segment, but we probably should. Yeah, we're going to put the fun segment on hold. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, We'll be back with comparing Game of Thrones to the prequels in two weeks, but... (laughs) The Star Wars prequels. If people don't understand that I blame myself. Yeah, I blame you too. (laughs) Okay, honestly, it's three INFJs and one INTP. Like, INFJ, like, we're just going to keep talking. We're going to keep, we're never going to stop. Uh, God, this lexicon paddle we're oh my gosh, to 50 guys. minutes. How do we what get anything hell? done in 50 minutes? What point can we possibly make in 50 minutes? <laughs> oh, uh, except it's going to be more focused on the ongoing significance uh, and legacy of Coruscant. I mean, yeah, so. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll be able to do it, but I think we'll also then walk outside and stand on the street corner and continue to talk for another three hours. You think? Okay, so, like, my secret hope is that they will put this panel right before lunchtime, and then we can be like, hey, guys, if you want to keep talking, oh, we're going to go have shit. lunch here. Yeah. Come have lunch with yeah. us. I would love that. Please. Oh, my God. Yeah, just, 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 or, just stay around. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll keep talking. We'll order some pizza. We'll keep talking. Yeah, someone Look, order just, us a pizza. 
Just as a final note before we transition off of Turf War specifically, I wanna I do wanna say that like every single piece of criticism that Griffin and I wrote about, and like even just where Gretchen was coming from with her um, you know, homophobia piece, this is coming from like a place of love yes. and a place of like really wanting to push media yeah, in a certain way. But it's absolutely, absolutely personal to us. Yep. There's like nothing wrong with this comic at all. It's fine. It's val it's really validating and that's cool to see mm-hmm. people to, like take something out mm-hmm. of it. Um um, it's great. It's not like to me. It's not the most interesting thing in the world, and I have some questions about the main plotline. But like, it's apparently you do. <laughs> yeah, I have. There are lyrics behind it all, but like, you know, it's it's yeah. But like, in a void, it's fine. I just kind of can't really like. I'm not gonna go back into the universe and be like, let's add homophobia. No, it's, like, no. <laughs> no, there. It's a it's a square peg for a round hole, and it's not even a. It's a trapezoid. It's like you're not even gonna. You're gonna need yeah, you're gonna need a belt sander to actually make the fit, this fit. Let's be honest. I, I think people can make it work. It's just not something I have an interest in doing. No thanks. Right. Yeah, like yeah, you can. You just need a belt sander. I, I want Kuvira and Suyin to have just been fucking in the background when, without ceremony. That's what I want. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, they totally were, dude. <laughs> I like hearing about his polysuka. And polysuka, you shall have. Thank and you. of course pansexual uh, Suki. Yeah. On that wonderful note, because we were like, hey, let's wrap <laughs> up and talk for is the best note. Okay, go ahead. Uh, okay, transition music. I knew I shouldn't have asked Kiyoshi. Alright, so, as I hinted out earlier, in segment two, we are going to talk about homophobia and um, normal storm- storytelling. Um, meaning, just creating a story and like normalizing what world building like mm-hmm. how yeah. do you create your world building and what systems of oppression specifically homophobia are you building into it um and i mean as you guys probably picked up <laughs> from our earlier discussion uh at least kylie and griffin and i are not all that sold on this what? idea as where'd you get that idea I don't know. Maybe I'm pulling it out of my ass. But Can like- we survey every single bisexual INFJ and see how they feel? Uh, ra- raise your hand. If- oh, wait. That was <laughs> oh, Okay. It's audio. Um, I suppose my opinion doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Of course it matters. You're here, so it does matter. Hooray. And you're a token straight. You're balancing the conversation. Awesome. It's true. You are that. Mm. Anyway. Right. I just... <sighs> Sorry, it's one of those things that, like, because we had, like, that earlier conversation, like, I'm thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Just, like, I understand, I really, I really do understand the desire for, like, representation and confirmation of the experience of oppression. You know what this oppression. made me think of? And it's kind of random. Um, I read, like, maybe ten years ago, I watched this, it was kind of like this double feature on, um, on PBS. It was, like, uh, The Searchers and, um... Which Macaulay? It was, it was two movie basically about like Native Americans, and um, there was a little talk in between them. And this this one like Aboriginal man was talking about how like when he was growing up as a kid, he never had a problem with white actors like playing Indians with spray paint on them, basically because those like that was the only time he ever saw anyone even remotely representing him on mm. film. And even though it's, like, you know, an extremely problematic representation of Aboriginal people, it was, like, as close as he could get, and it was still validating and exciting for him. Mm. Mm-hmm. I didn't consider that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I get stuck in is that, like, but it could be better, and mm-hmm. here's the potential you're missing out on. Yeah. Right. And I never stopped seeing that. And, and yeah, and to me, a lot of it is, like, what is what is the critical mass at which point we shift from just reproducing already existing systems of oppression to starting to depict um, these, you know, marginalized people groups as just normal people yeah. who aren't any different. Because, like, that – I think that's the question for me. And I think that that transition needs to happen. Like, we can't continue to to say that, like, all queer people – that, like, a necessary and essential part of their experience is oppression. Can it not be? Because uh, I hope... <laughs> yeah, one hopes, right? Yeah. Right. When you were saying that, um, like, sexism isn't a feature in every single story about women. And, right. like, now we have characters like Ray who mm-hmm. don't experience any feedback on the basis of gender whatsoever. Well, not right. Right. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Not... Well. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, fucking Hasbro and Monopoly. <laughs> but, um... People want to buy it! Just fucking give them the toys! <laughs> Take my money! (laughs) In universe, the fact that she's a woman is completely Mm -hmm. unremarked upon, and yet, our women who probably, like, in society, who still experience shit for being women in society, they still like her as a character, right? Right. Yeah. And they still relate to her, they still find her as Just as importantly, plenty of men and boys relate to her and like her. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and. and, like, I like there's just, like, you know, the ideal, one hopes, is to get to a point where, like, you know, token straights like me can relate to these relationships just as, like, you know, human relationships rather than as heterosexual right. or, homo- or homosexual relationships. Right. Yeah. Or maybe all relationships could just be better written, you know, mm. that could... Just, yeah, so, like... Gretchen and I briefly touched on this in our um, Supergirl season two retrospective piece too, where like Sanvers leaves me drier than a desert. <laughs> oh, Why did you that is not an image I wanted. Thank you. <laughs> I'm quoting. Drier than a desert. <laughs> I know, we but got, it, 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 <laughs> You got it. You, you no, got it. okay. <laughs> Do you want me to talk about my moistness instead, Julia? Okay. Make um, me moist. <laughs> this podcast is canceled. I was saying the exact same thing, though, Griffin. What I was say, what I was going to say is that, in my opinion, Sanders is not written particularly well. Mm-hmm. It started out being written really, really well. And yeah. I really loved what they did. Then they had this like creative kind of... switch, which is like completely inconsequential and not really related at all. <laughs> no conspiracy theories. I didn't. No, I didn't. But uh, it's not a conspiracy theory. There's just not a lot of texture to it, and there's not, like, the space to have arguments and conflicts in the same way that heterosexual couples are given on TV shows, from what I can tell. Yeah. And, although, not that I think, you know, Car and Monel's written better. It's written. Yeah. But Car and James was written better. Yeah. Oh, so. No, I'm I'm just saying, like, when I hear people reacting really positively to it, I'm kind of, like... What are you reacting to? Explain Explain what you like about it. They exist. It's the and, man in brown face in the movie. That's what they're reacting to. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's, there's a willingness to sort of accept whatever's tossed our way. Or or find your own way to feel compelled by it. I don't want to, like, pretend that there's not a value in it. Right. But, yeah. there's, but buddy, you could do better. Like, <laughs> and it wouldn't it wouldn't even be difficult. It would just be, you know, just, the, just, just put it out there, you know? Just, like... Put some effort in the in the old tank of creativity in the, in the ink pod and the I don't remember where, the, where this metaphor I don't know where this metaphor is going. Keep talking. I don't know, and you're getting lost. But I think <laughs> I think what what's noticeable to me is when 
media creators sit down to write a gay couple mm-hmm. versus when media creators sit down to write a couple who happens to be gay. Yes. Yep. And it's a completely ineffable line sometimes, but I do feel like Turf Wars violated that line. I definitely felt like Sanders edged over it, you know. Um, well, yeah, this is a topic. I'm actually, um, one of my other panels at Clexicon, um, is going to be, so many um, panels for Gretchen. Yeah, she's a, super, she is a superstar. Um, I just pitch a bunch of panels because I have a lot of things I want to talk about. Um, so one that I'm going to be, um, pitching is like, the difference between a queer story and a queer protagonist. Mm-hmm. And that's what this line is. Is like writing a protagonist who is queer, but their story does not revolve around their queerness versus writing a story that is specifically about, um, a queer experience, which typically involves oppression and struggle. struggle. Pain, yeah. The, like, it, like, yeah, the, the queer struggle. Like there is, and that there's a difference. Like, there is a difference between writing a protagonist who is queer, and that is part of their identity, but is not Mm -hmm. the direction for their story, and writing a story that is about the struggle of being queer. Yeah. And I think that, like, for a lot of writers, especially, honestly, for straight writers... Yeah, for sure. ...who, like, struggle, struggle with trying to write queer stories rather than just writing a queer protagonist... And I, and it's not to say that there's anything wrong with either of those two things. I think there's a place for both of them. I just know that my personal preference is I want to read queer protagonists. I want yes. to write, yeah. like, the books that I'm currently reading right now are a, a YA, a YA series of this, like, you know, dystopian future where the, the female protagonist, like, trains sea monsters and gets captured by pirates. That sounds right. really awesome. So fucking weird. And, like, she's, she's queer. And she, it, she, she's a pirate. So, so cool. Like, and that, and it's not like her story isn't about her being queer. It's about her like being kidnapped so she can raise like a contraband sea monster for pirates, and she falls in love with the pirate girl. Like, that's the kind yeah. of story I want to read. Well, I think just the premise yeah. on, on a most on a <laughs> basic level sounds awesome. So yeah, right. They're great. It's it's called the Abyss Surrounds Us and the okay. Edge of the So yeah. And, I happen to have a theory, too, that we are right on the precipice of this tipping. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, like, you know, we had, the, you know, Brokeback Mountain is probably what defines queer media in, like, the 2000s, right? Like, we had that that type of story. Or, like, every time there's a gay character, it had to be a story about them coming out and, like, oh my god, what's the feedback going to be and all that. Mm-hmm. I think we're just now on a tipping point where more and more people, first of all, there's more queer writers right. than there were before. And additionally, more and more people are sort of taking the attitude of, I'm just going to write them as, like, there's still something to be said to writing an experience and and having that authenticity. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't, you can't go too far and end up with, like, you know, oh, race doesn't exist. You know, like. Right, right. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Like, this person has absolutely no defining characteristic that would let you know that they're queer in any mm-hmm. way except that you know they you know fuck uh, other women or whatever but yeah which is why yeah, i no. tend to prefer the idea of like you can have either a cipher like potentially a cipher for homophobia like steven steven universe does which kind of uses analogy to get at the idea of homophobia or mm-hmm. you can confront homophobia versus like in like a a certain char- in like a specific character who's just an asshole. Absolutely, like on a on an individual on an basis. individual basis rather than as an institutional. And again, rather, like that's my yeah. preference. Yeah, like, not everyone is going to. Re- simple as like this bully doesn't like that these people are in a relationship because he has a because he has a crush on this one person in the relationship. Like that's it. Right. It could like, just be that. <laughs> 
It's like, this guy's it's a dick. not inventive, but well, yeah. It's, well, no, no I, it's like, come on. It's like, this guy's not necessarily homophobic. He's just an asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I'd rather deal with it on that level yeah. than, you know. I mean, like, like in yeah. Turf Wars, just make the contractor homophobic. No one else has to be. Just yeah, just, just just make him, be, or maybe he's concerned the, the about land, conflict the land of interest. Developer, I mean, or, you know, yeah. if somebody had conflict of interest, and maybe he's like, hey, the, the, these two people, they're like really super powerful. That one can blow up a mountain, and the other one could probably build a device to move the mountain. I should probably, like, get these away from each other, because I'm fucked. <laughs> right. Or even, I mean, Winona Earp did something along those lines with Tucker this season, where, like, there is no mm-hmm. institutionalized homophobia in in Purgatory. Like, you just have Tucker, who's, like, the embodiment of, like, wealthy, white, entitled asshole male behavior. And, <laughs> like, no, he, I mean, he is. He's literally, like, the face yeah, yeah. of, like, entitled white men who treats, you know, who tells, like, Waverly that, like, she's just confused and she doesn't really, you know, and, like, Nicole is predatory. Like, these are the things that he says. So, like, you're putting homophobia into the mouth of someone who is clearly a villain and that we're not supposed to in any way sympathize with or accept. Yeah, yeah. and then it's not, like, piling on them over and over again either. It's just sort of like, like, that guy's a fucking asshole. Yeah, the their overall story... It, yeah, he's the worst. Tucker kind of is the worst, though. <laughs> um, I've, I, I will admit that I was glad at the end of this last episode. Spoilers. So I won't say what the spoilers are, but yeah. No, no, wasn't there that study that spoilers are good? Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Spoilers but Spoilers like, are good, but I'm going to link her review and you can decide if you think spoilers are good or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spoilers are good, but they're also a choice. Um, Actually, now that you brought up Way Hot, I'm glad you did. But because um, that to me is an example of a queer storyline done really, really well, where yeah. they actually have conflict and like erpy issues that aren't about like be like they're not struggling for the right to exist right, right? that's not that's not what their screen time's taken well, up i think on. like a challenge in this like for writers is like the closer to earth issue because right. mm-hmm. like well like my I, I i'm gonna do this you're fake my father his main argument oh, against gay marriage is that most of the gay men he knows are really promiscuous like that's his argument right so oh. <laughs> how is that an argument though a good question um but, <laughs> <laughs> like a baby boomer Polish because like because like, because oh straight people aren't promiscuous at all ever. Straight people are always one hundred percent. No, but, no but so, right so like every time exactly every time right. a gay couple gets divorced, he's like, oh, I, I told you, right? Like it proves it, <laughs> right? Right. So and I think like you know even though we're, we're we're you know Kylie's probably right, we're at that tipping point. We're still not quite there, and we're still at the point where no. like. You know, you have you have to be a credit to your sexual orientation by having a perfect relationship, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or else it proves mm-hmm. that like gay relationships are in some way disordered. So, yeah. Well, you mean in media, right? Mm-hmm. You mean in media? Yeah, and in life too. So, like, yeah, that's, that's a pressure too. that like, people are you a, are you, It's like you know, are you a good Jew or yeah. a bad Jew? Fuck you. That's the Jew that I <laughs> actually. Yeah, because you, you know what? Like my relationship with my ex-girlfriend there were a ton of red flags mm-hmm. like not a small number of fr- flags but my friends were basically falling over themselves to compliment our relationship all the time and say how great it was yeah. and how happy they were for me and then after we broke up and i started talking about that they're like yeah that was really fucked up I'm like what the, the, excuse me could yeah, you because, have no, because they're like you know they probably like you know were had what they thought we were best interests at heart and we're just like i don't want to invalidate like you know her identity by invalidating her relationship yeah. and it was not your identity mm, that was being right. invalidated it was the relationship which is bad but it had nothing to do with your identity, right? So, like, right, but right. like, and the, no, and they were just like, you know, do your best, Kylie. Like, <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> do your best. Hey, well, why am I laughing? 
<laughs> Awkward. Um, yeah, I laugh a lot. I'm think, sorry. Hey, I think Way Hot does a good mm. job of not being close to her. <laughs> yeah, it was like the, the, the example that like really kind of like um, it was uh, Hogarth and her wife. Her wife's name was Mary? Wendy. Um, yeah. Like, like they had this like really messy divorce. And it was just, like, there. Like, they had a... Literally. Yeah, it was a really messy divorce. Because, like, sometimes marriages end in really de- messy divorces. And that was just kind of it. And, like, that was really, like, the first time that... Mm. Like, that... I really saw that in just, like... It was just kind of presented. Like, you know, there was... It was a same-sex marriage. It ended badly. And, like, that was it. Like, there was nothing... That can happen. Yeah, there was, there was nothing... You know, it, was, it, it wasn't framed as anything to do with the fact that it was a same-sex marriage. And... That's still right. Like they didn't have a rare. messy divorce. They didn't have a messy divorce because they were both women. Yeah, they had a messy divorce because of the people that they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Hogarth too was kind of like doing the kind of like womanizing trope too. She was leaving her wife <laughs> for her, her secretary. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> no, the cat, the Catholic young hot. Uh, uh, she was. She yeah, made a point yeah. about being Catholic. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. that was just like this is so, so specific, Hogarth, and I love it. Hogarth City <laughs> Don Draper. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. If you haven't watched Jessica Jones, go, go now. Do yeah, it before go. Disney pulls yeah. it off Netflix, I guess. No, but yeah, that was like, I mean, that was unfortunate. Hmm. Yeah, but that that was definitely not Closer mm-hmm. to Earth. Closer to Earth, by the way, is the name of a trope. I realize we've been saying Please a lot. Please explain it, because I don't actually know what it means. Why didn't you say something? Because I didn't want to interrupt you. Closer to Earth is the uh, ex- explanation for St. Tyrion as well. It, it's more or less positive discrimination oh, where okay. you have a marginalized character in some way and the author doesn't want to pile them on, so they just make them extra special and good at everything. Oh, so it's like right. the wise old black man thing. Yeah, I mean, like, like magical queer. No, wait, it's, it's like, it's, it's like, like you know, like, like um, the, the black guy joins the baseball team, but he's not just an average baseball player. He's the best baseball player ever. That's sort of what happened with Jack and Robinson. He, yeah, but... And he, like, yeah. and he like doesn't do but, drugs. But, like, you're not, like, when you're, in, has a when you're in that marriage. situation, you're not allowed to be an average baseball player. Yeah, who's you have a, to you know, be, like, a normal the... uh, average asset to the team. You have to be the best, because yeah. otherwise... And what, and what Gretchen was yeah. saying, too, you have to be perfectly clean and have no exactly. flaws, basically. Like, Booker right. Washington Just... wanted. Yeah, you remove all the flaws because... You are afraid that any perceived flaws will be blamed on some kind of like homophobia or um, racism or will be blamed on whatever, yeah, whatever the marginalized status is. Yeah, and 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 it comes from that very real, yeah, that that very real tendency that society has of like you know, you know, uh, you're the word women are Are special, women are are generic, or something, right? Yeah, it's like. No, because like you know, Cersei is a horrible queen. Therefore, women are horrible queens, or women are horrible rulers. Is that is that yeah. kind of thing, right? Like, right. When you're a mar- when you're a member of a yeah. marginalized community, you have to be the best possible representation, of the- because any flaw will be perceived of as applying to everyone mm-hmm. with that status. And then you just have that constant fear that you're just you know making stereotypes even stronger if you exactly. even so much as lean towards one of them. Right, 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 right. And but then this is this is why I sometimes feel like especially queer characters are put in a special little yeah. box, and that's why I sometimes just troll Julia's Tumblr inbox writing, why are gays so special, me so sad? <laughs> but, like, the thing what? is, like, it comes, it, it usually comes from a place of actually, like, you know, not wanting to pile on to a marginalized community. 
Right. Yeah, and at the same time, it's a problem if storytellers are including marginalized individuals and they're like getting the brunt of all the shit in their right. stories, like like the the racial implications in the hundred, for yeah. instance, yeah. like that kind of stuff. Yeah, but like that, that's the kind yeah. of thing that, that that's that's why the whole like colorblind casting post racial society thing doesn't work because we have these like unconscious implicit cultural biases that like if you don't right. if you don't like consciously say i'm not gonna kill off all the people of color it's gonna kind of happen anyway you know because and that's yeah. also why you have to work overtime when you're writing speculative exactly. fiction right right yeah and it's yeah, just that's, like, I mean, it's like yeah. if you don't actively say i'm gonna include books in my classroom that include like you know protagonists that are not white males all your books in your classroom will have protagonists that are white males like it's yeah. just how it will work out if you don't if you don't keep the struggle up. Especially when it comes to classic science fiction. Mm-hmm. That's just an unfortunate reality of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you gotta put some Octavia Butler in there. Just gotta. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's kind of what I was going for when I when I titled my article that, like, mm-hmm. homophobia shouldn't be default. Because it's the idea that it's this default mindset. Yeah. Of, like, if I don't try to do anything different, like, the default is just, like, well, world, the world is homophobia because our world is. Okay, but why? Like, <laughs> and that's, and right. that's, and that, like, and that's the problem. And that's, like, what I was trying to get at in the article is, like, it shouldn't just be that way. But, like, it's understandable that it is at some level mm-hmm. because, yeah, like, that's, people want to acknowledge that. Yeah. That, like, people want to acknowledge that our world is homophobic. And, like, I'd, I'd rather they acknowledge that it's homophobic than, like, pretend that it, like, at some level than just, like, pretend that, like, no, our world is fine with gay people. Exactly. Or just, like, because like, it's not, you, you can just do it. Like it actually, it's 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 actually it's actually easier to do that because then you just don't do it. Mm. Well, yeah. At the same time, I know queer individuals who like literally won't engage with a world that doesn't have it as an element at all. They find it yes. too disingenuous. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, guess I do know. Yep. That could just be a problem with the world building itself rather than the actual that specific part of it, though. I don't know. I don't know many other prejudices where it's too disingenuous when it doesn't exist. I'm thinking of the first season of Lex House. Of what? The first season of Black Sails, where I was just like, why aren't they talking about slavery? I mean, I know they fixed that. That was so... I know they did. They did. That. But, like, yeah, it they felt like... It. It, yeah, that it felt disingenuous. Like, like you can't not talk that about slavery in this context. That was weird. Okay, yeah. but that was also set specifically in Nassau mm-hmm. in yeah. 1713 or whatever. But, like, like, that had a- like, hypothetically, there's stories you can tell in Nassau in 1717 that don't involve slavery. It's just, like, doing that feels like you're telling the wrong story somehow. But then they did. Yeah, well, I know they cried. Right. That's not the point. I, I didn't. I mean, I just the first season was just about them getting to the gold, so it kind of seemed like. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I think I think I think that one can kind of be forgiven because of the context of what they wanted to do with that one season and with those eight episodes, like we have to get to the. It's gold. definitely like, forgivable the in the goal. show of a whole. It's just like yeah. while I was watching the first. Yeah, season. I don't know. Season season one, if it had just if it had gotten canceled after season one, I'd have much different feelings about sure. Black Sails. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. It's not like they ignored it. It's just that, like you know. Yeah. Black Sails is a good example mm-hmm. of having a queer couple. You know, at, well, uh, Flint and uh, Thomas was about the homophobia yeah. in, a, in a large way. But it wasn't like but in that, a way that was like, yeah, go ahead. It didn't define Flint's character or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like his anti-establishment thing that was a very personal stake in it. But mm-hmm. it wasn't like just piling on him over and over again. It was actually him taking the power back too. It was, but like it was kind of real the way that like they they obsessed over the male homosexuality and kind of pretended the female homosexuality doesn't exist because it doesn't count because there's no penetration. So you know that's kind of real, right? But <laughs> but that was a historical that, yeah, fiction. Exactly. That's what yeah, it that was yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Can you guys think of any other couples that are done well? Do they have to be queer? <laughs> yes. Then no. 
No, like yeah, this is this is this is a thing that's that's we're at the beginning of, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I might Kylie, you may disagree with me about this specifically. Mm-hmm. But like I actually think that um I mean it's one of the few things that I think the hundred did well was the relationship between Clark and Lexa at the end of season two and beginning of season three. Oh no, I agree yeah. with that. I just think I like her that. her death yeah. was bullshit. <laughs> It's kind of it's it's hard for me to see anything other than that in terms of that relationship. To mm, be perfectly true. honest, yeah, I did like it with they made it though with the I, I did like it a lot. So I mean, I found it pretty engaging and you know emotionally uh, evocative and resonant with me. Honest, to be perfectly honest. But then it was like then she died. And I'm like well, fuck this. Yeah, I mean you can you can fuck up a lot of good work with a bad ending. Cough, battle, or Glatka cough. So <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, Gretchen, were you the one who wrote down Shadowhunters? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that show at all. Is there a uh, gay relationship on that? Uh, (laughs) yeah, there's a, um, there's a gay relationship. Um, Magnus and Alec. Um, I actually, from, I don't watch the show actively. I actually only know it because I usually, um, am editing the recaps. (laughs) I'm usually editing the reviews for the show. Um, but from what I understand is they are actually doing a pretty, like, a pretty good job dealing with, like, Magnus's trauma within the relationship, and that, um, like, it's a, it's a storyline that's not specifically related to them being gay, um, and it's just about Magnus having, like, personal, like, personal trauma issues, and the way that they're, like, dealing with that in their relationship seems really supportive and, I think, well done from, from the lim- from what I know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't made systemic homophobia part of the world building unless it's through like an analogy or cipher between the relationship between like it's kind of a romeo and juliet thing from what i gather they're like from like different sides like different worlds kind of thing um which i think is another way to potentially tackle what homophobia like the effects of homophobia without making it systemic oppression is to like create this you know, like a culture clash or like a family clash or like a warring factions clash, which is kind of what I was trying to get at with Clark and Lexa mm-hmm. was like, yeah, sky crew and the tree crew. Yeah. Um, in which there's no overt like oppression and the resistance to their relationship comes from like political pressures or family pressures or like cultural misunderstanding. Um, and from what I understand of Shadowhunters, like, they seem to be handling that well. And I know a lot of people find a lot of value in the Malik ship. So, um, I thought that was worth mentioning as, like, another, like, queer relationship. Totally. Yeah. Cause I think, I think one of them is, I can't, I'm so, I'm sorry, Shadowhunters fans, I don't <laughs> watch the show, but I'm fairly certain one of them is bisexual. Oh, see. Okay, oh, now I gotta watch this. <laughs> Um, I can't remember which one it is, but I'm fairly certain one of them is bisexual. Wasn't, it didn't American Gods do, like, something with something or whatever? I have no idea. I can't keep up with that show. I don't know. I think one of the directors was like, this, this sex scene wasn't gay enough, do it again. <laughs> yeah. It was between two That's, men. It's like, you guys don't know how butts work or something. I don't know what the exact <laughs> wording was. Yeah, I vaguely remember. Yeah, didn't one of our, I think one of our writers. Yeah, I, I love, I remember reading that and loving the wording. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to put, check that one out. You need to consult with somebody and make it more gay. Well, <laughs> you, you don't know Gretchen, butts work. Gotcha. What you were just saying too about, um, Klexen, where those, like, tensions were arriving, mm-hmm. arising from, like, the political and the, like, faction stuff yeah. and that kind of struggle. That is, like, 
my frustration with Turf Wars in a nutshell, because that's what Korra and Asami are set up for, yeah. just inherently, by who they are. Yeah. And it would have been the easiest thing in the world to give them tension on based on that stuff. Like, you could totally see, you know, okay, let's say Raiko hires some idiot to make some plan for the city, and then, like, Asami says in private to Korra, oh, it's stupid. And then Korra says that in public, because she has verbal diarrhea and she doesn't really think that much when she talks. Yeah. So, then, that would just oh, totally... Ha- yeah. And then there'd be implications for Asami, and there could be, like, an organic tension that would arise from it. That is about guarding words and guarding your own positions in a similar way evocative of these tensions. But it is but, not... Though. And personal and political. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's not Sozin shipping gaze off to the gulags yeah, because of his own Camps gay panic or, about yeah. his buddy. Which he apparently no, no, actually, this is before that. This is when he yeah. first took the throne. This is like sixty years before the war. And remember, twenty years he searched for the Avatar. So this is like eighty years of well, just gay in, people. He's already into Roku at that yeah. point. Yeah, but, but like well, he was into the, Roku when they were like doing that firebending battle at the beginning of the flashbacks for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it, okay, it could still be his, in theory, not was giving him his completely irrational gay panic, sure, I guess. Alright, we are really <laughs> over time, and I don't know why we're talking about Sosin's gay panic. Because it's never all. not relevant, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, any, any closing thoughts on this from any of you? Um, Try to do better? Uh, creators, please, yeah. just, just, you know, just, like, just one, just one step at a time, we're not asking you to change everything all at once, just, you know, be a little bit more cognizant, just keep at it, and you'll get it, eventually. I oh. just think it's, to me, it's worth asking, it is worth a, cre- a content creator who is going to include some kind of systemic form of homophobia or oppression, e- I mean, even outside of homophobia, like, it is, to me, if you're going to include a form of systemic oppression that mirrors a form of oppression in our world, it is worth it to ask yourself why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To ask yourself why, to add, to ask yourself what does this add, to then ask yourself is there another way that I can come at this that's not specifically directly mirroring a form of oppression that already exists? Like I just think that there are a series of questions that content creators can ask that not only I think might minimize the amount of time this this shows up in media, but also I think then create a better story. Because if you know why you're including it, and if you know that there were alternatives, alternative ways of answering these questions and dealing with these issues, you're going to, by default, write a better story. Right. Because you're yeah. more aware of what it is that you are choosing and what it is that you're writing. And a great way to get towards really that is not just why, but how. How does right. this make sense? How does this work? How did this start? How was it there? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think I think that's a really really good point, Espe- especially about how it will strengthen your story. Mm-hmm. And really, that's for any creative decision you make. You should right. be asking yourself why. <laughs> um, but especially when it's something so sensitive and something lived, you know, there's sort of a responsibility. Another thing you have to do as a creator is, especially in SF, is really kind of question really what your cultural biases are, because if you don't think about them, you don't realize them oftentimes. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're trying. If you're trying to create a society that's different from yours, where people have different cultural perceptions, then, you know, that's very difficult. But, like, you know, 40 years into the future, it's really going to show. Right. Yeah, Yeah. it takes it takes practice, mm-hmm. but a lot of times it's just a question of having a diversity of voices yeah. that's able to challenge you and that you're willing to and listen I think, to. That, like, the attempt to do that is what, often what makes SF interesting. And failure yes, is... Absolutely. 
is often as interesting as success, right? But right, because like I'm not, I'm not going to write a perfect science fiction novel. But what I can do as an author is say, are there specific things that I really want to do well? Like these are the areas that I really want to make sure that I'm sensitive about, and then find Mm -hmm. people to read that for me. Um, you know, I have a diversity reader for the autism spectrum because one of my characters is on the spectrum and I'm not. So it's like, I got, I got to make sure that I'm reaching out to those voices and saying, is this meaningful to you? Is this validating to you? Is this helpful for you? Is there any way I could do this better? Like, could I make this even more validating, even more interesting, even more engaging, even more helpful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the shitty Carmen Sandiego fic that you heard me read a little bit of in our second episode, which I'm now flushing mm-hmm. out, uh, there is a ch- character who's half Chinese. So I have to, you know, be talking to people. What does that racism look like? And tell me about this. And mm-hmm. tell me about, you know, how this might manifest because they're going to be battling some white supremacists. So yeah, that's just fun for the whole family. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's fun for the whole family. It's fun for me to be writing. It's just the most cheesy, overwritten thing in the world. Yeah, with, with, with e-cigarettes, right? Mm-hmm. E-cigarettes, absolutely. <laughs> just like a, like any good noir detective. Oh yeah, has. yeah, yeah. E6, E6. A- anything you want to promote, Julia? Um. Okay. Well, I think we've talked about like, especially in UBS. Every time um I write one of my uh, not straight protagonists in my fanfic, I come to you full of doubt. And, like, here's the other thing, too. We were talking about Closer mm-hmm. to Earth. There's no one who can speak for a group. Yeah, so right. it's good to get a diversity of voices. That doesn't mean you're going to be getting perfect advice. But I think the key is just a willingness to listen. And yeah, exactly. Like, that's the point. Like, the, the, like often it's the attempt that's that has the value. And, like, even, right. even if you end up, like, saying some really weird shit with your episode about Mud's Women about how, like, you should value women who can cook and <laughs> ones that look good because that's feminist. Like, you know, like, you're you're thinking about these things at least, and there's some value in that, no matter what you do. Can I can I just say, Julie, I totally love you for that because I knew exactly what you were talking about, and I was like, yeah, it's Star Trek. <laughs> oh, that was a weird episode, man. That was it's a weird such a episode. Weird episode. <laughs> and then there was an episode with Charlie X where they were trying to tell Charlie not to sexually harass people, and it was weird. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's so guys. Weird. This is. This is a really weird fucking episode. We've now been talking for an hour and a half, so I'm what? we're done. I'm oh. cutting you off. <laughs> we're done. Okay. Also, like, if you guys want something that is, you know, a good alt history, again, I mentioned it previously, you know, it actually d- digs into what would actually happen and isn't actually fucking around in terms of, okay, if there was a fascist dictatorship, the Nazis actually won World mm-hmm. War II because they stole Jewish technology, like, the secret, I don't want to get into it, but Wolfenstein. The new Wolfenstein reboot is yeah. fucking fantastic. It deals with it phenomenally, and it's just actually, like, if if you're going to explore this idea, this is how you do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wanted- All right. Yes. And that was what I was trying to think of last episode. I know. That's why I wanted to put it in here. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, if you like our rambling for an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so tired. Oh, my God. Please. Yeah, Julian needs to go to bed. I or something. Um... Like us, leave us a comment, leave us a review. That's how we get um, promoted yep. on iTunes. Buy our and merch. yep, yes, we have a store, the Fundamentals store. We've got some pretty awesome merch, um, which would be very helpful to check out. I need to do a better job of adding stuff to it, but like we've got host costs and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, we got some. We have some pretty cool shirts and buy some uh, stickers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my gosh. 
Um, <laughs> is there anything else we need to mention other than that yeah no i think that's about it um i guess we will talk to you guys in two weeks we should be back on our normal mm-hmm. schedule uh yeah i don't think any of us have any more 15 hour car trips coming up oh god no no <laughs> i hope i hope i hope you're home for a while gotcha that's not okay so if exhausting. i stay here i'm gonna actually have to do it uh the four of us are actually gonna meet in person in november Yes. Wait, you're actually coming to Thanksgiving? Yeah, well, I'm actually, I'm saying it you so just, we can actually do oh, it. No, 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 you're locked in. Yeah, you're I'm locked in. Okay, now. that's why I said it. Yeah, she's saying it, yeah. she's saying it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we will have a very special episode or something. <gasps> we should. Oh, oh my god, if we could, rec- that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do we'll do something live. Uh, maybe an unabashed book snobbery live or something. Yeah. Oh my that's gosh, for- yeah. I, I'll just have to leave the room. <laughs> yeah, we'll just kick you out. Yeah, no boys allowed. <laughs> We could yeah. we could make it our Stannis hour because I haven't read it. The books is my point. Read the books then. God, fine. <laughs> You've got between yeah. now and November to read like a couple thousand words. I'm actually in the middle. He's of already the he's already on Storm of Swords. Yeah, you were on Storm of Swords okay. like six months ago when Kylie first brought. I this have out. my reasons. <laughs> it's literally sitting on his nightstand. I don't know what to do about this. I, Not that I, I, get, I know. I get distracted. <laughs> well, when yeah. Kylie's anyway, over, he gets distracted. Anyway, hey guys. That's- so that's going to come up around Thanksgiving, <laughs> yeah, and otherwise we are going to get... Will you two stop? No. <laughs> All right. So on that very peculiar, rather personal note, we will talk to you guys next Bye, time. Bye, everyone. Thank you all for listening. Yay. Bye. Goodbye. Like, or like the the Andes candies. You know what I'm talking about? What? Like the Andes with the green... They come in the green foil? I have no idea what that is. What? You don't know what I've Andes are? I've never heard of the Seether Crutchin. And you can't, you can't even say it's a Midwestern thing, because I'm like an hour and a half south of you. <laughs> this is from... Like, I heard about these in California, so maybe it's a West Coast thing. Yeah. My, um, uh... They're little... like They look like after-dinner mints, and they come in green foil, and they have little mountains on it, and it says Andes... And they're like, it's like a layer of like green mint flavor in be- sandwiched between two layers of chocolate. So it's got like bright green in it. Oh, Andy's mints. Yes. What? I said Andy's candies instead of Andy's mints. And you, magically, you <laughs> didn't know what I was talking about.